Hello and welcome to our podcast named Detours. This podcast embraces the unexpected twists and turns that shapes the journeys of our lives that God sends us down. I'm your host and fellow traveler, Mike. I'm here with my beautiful wife, Deb, and we invite you to join us on this exploration of uncharted territories we encounter along the way. So without further ado, let's dive into this episode. Welcome, Detours Travelers. Mm -hmm. I am Mike. I am your host, and I am here with my beautiful additional host named Deb. Hi, guys. And we are here continuing on in season one. This is episode number eight. This is our last episode of this particular season. And episode seven left on a bit of a dreary note. (laughs) At least it was from our shoes, Deb, for you and I. Yeah, it was the breakup. It was the breakup, the moment every man or every woman out there dreads the breakup. Uh, but there is good news. God wasn't done. Thank God. Thank God is right. You know, and, and so here we are. We're looking back years later at, at uh, the story that the detours, there's so many detours to our story. Uh, do you are, think we're going to get this all done in one episode? We, I think we we can do this. Yes. <laughs> okay. I think we can do this. So just kind of recapping the last episode we talked about, we were together maybe roughly six months uh, during our first go around, if you will. Uh, everything was going well. We were going to church together. We were going to Bible studies together. We went on very short-term mission trips, just like day mission trips, things like that, when uh, hurricanes hit, so on and so forth. Yeah, we had fun. Yeah, we had a good, solid relationship. And um, you were going through the program Trees of Hope at the time, towards the end of our our first go-around again, if you will. Um, Trees of Hope is a program designed for survivors of sexual abuse. Mm -hmm. Uh, You had actually already taken it and completed it once and you were taking it a second time right yes i was encouraged to to just go and do another round so i did and so we're dating and you decide to go back to trees of hope for a second time um and by dating it kind of opened you up to uh i guess vulnerabilities that weren't necessarily there the first time you went through it because now you're with a man true and so things go awry and you leave. <laughs> I do. Uh, the, again, I'll remind everyone out there, you left right before oh, Valentine's boy. Day. So I'm sitting there in the dust. You're never going to let me live that down, are ne- you? Never, ever, <laughs> ever. Uh, and and not so co- coincidentally, right after we break up, you have a one-on-one meeting with uh, the guy that was our mentor, we did Bible study at his house. To this day, he's a very dear friend, Pastor Bill, uh, and his wife, Diana. But you have a one-on-one meeting with him that you had scheduled, and I think you had some biblical questions and so on and so forth. Yeah. That obviously was, again, God's timing. So so what, what happens? You, you show up for your meeting and take it from there. Well, I show up and I have, of course, questions that I know Bill can answer about the Bible. And then we wind up uh, dialoguing about you. And uh, he, of course, wants to know what happened. And I I try to explain 
you know, I, I think it's best that I, I let this go. Um, I don't know, maybe God was right. I'm not ready. Uh, and then I tell him why I'm not ready. And I tell him about my story of sexual abuse. And it was really the first man I had told other than you. And it was, I couldn't get through the story without crying and really like, I think I was shaking. I think that. I remember him telling me you were. Yeah. 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 And you know what? He was so gracious and he listened and, um, you know, I had, I had a list of pros and cons about why I should stay and why I should go. And he graciously listened to each one of them. He did not really comment to any of them. He just kind of listened. And I think that's kind of what I needed. And, uh, you know, he told me to obviously go back into the word and spend some time with Jesus. And and that's really what I wound up doing. And then I think we met a couple of times, you know, in that 18 month period that we were apart and I never, I never brought you up, but he would always go and Mike's doing okay. You know, like I think he, I was I was slipping him some money under the table oh, to give me gosh. any updates. He was good. He was trying not to get involved too much, at least from my perspective. But um, he was a good friend, and he was someone I knew I could trust. So yeah, I, I sought some counsel from him, and and you sought some counsel. Yeah. So after you met with Pastor Bill, uh, I needed to meet with him because I, I needed to ask him what what is going on here? Why why would someone just kind of pick up and leave so abruptly out of what I felt was a solid, happy relationship as, as solid and as happy as you can be in six months into a relationship. Sure. Um, and you know, I, I turned to him and I said, you know, pastor Bill, after you meet with Deb, I, I'd love to just come meet with you and, and have you fill me in. And, and it wasn't a fill me in on like gossipy kind of way, but just what bill do I do? Is this something where I approach her to have a conversation, uh, to, to say that I'm fighting for her? Is this, what, what is going on? Um, and so I do. I end up meeting with him and immediately he tells me, Mike, she is in no way ready to be in a relationship. Mm. Uh, and he, of course, tells me about how you opened up to him and how you were shaking. And he said, you know, I, I deal with this. He, he's, a, he's a teacher. He's an 11th grade teacher at Calvary, uh, Calvary's Academy there, CCA. Um, and, and he deals with 11th graders and he, he just becomes such a mentor to so many kids that they come to him with all sorts of things. And he's very much used to stories of abuse and just such a wise man when it comes to these things. And he told me, he said, Mike, if Deb is going to get healing from this, it's going to take her a minimum of a year to get healing. And so I said, okay, it's going to take her a minimum of a year. Then the least I can do, if this is supposed to be my wife, the least I can do is fast and pray for her. And so I decided to give up the internet. Uh, that was my fasting. And I, I work in digital mm-hmm. uh, Calvary Chapel's website. I, I, I'm the one that kind of runs that website and all their emails and so on and so forth. So if it was work related, of course, 
I had no problem jumping on the computer, doing what I needed to do. But That's no my career. Social media, yep. no video games. Shut down every <laughs> every aspect of online that I could think of mm-hmm. um, in my personal life, and entered into that season. Uh, but again, God was very clear: do not reach out to her, do not talk to her. You got to let me do this. It's got to be my way. Did you, what did you think when you heard a year? Like, did you flinch? Did you go, how am I going to do a year? I'm definitely a processor, mm-hmm. right? So when Bill says it, I go, okay, no problem. Um, and, and I think honestly, at the beginning, I was, I was okay. Um, it, it was, when, and I don't want to fast forward too far, but when I start nearing that one year mark where I start to doubt yeah, what God had told me and I go, God, did you really say that? Or did I just, was it all the dopamine because I was in love <laughs> that was going to my brain and I want to be with this woman. And so I'm manifesting this, oh, God told me I, we were going to be together. I, I really started to have those doubts because that's, that's a very real dopamine is a real thing oh yeah and and it can cause you to not listen to god and and so that 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 came a little bit later but at the year mark uh or you know the the the, that year during that year for the most part i was pretty decent um wasn't wasn't doubting a, a ton and like i said until about the one year mark and you were praying for me in this time? Yeah, yeah, that you would get the healing that you needed. And, and because of the six months that we had together, I knew how hard you were pursuing healing anyway. That's what really helped me too. It wasn't hearing from God helped me for sure. Right. And then knowing you as well as I did helped me because I knew I, I, I began to understand the character of God and I understood the character that you had. And you were chasing, the reason you were in Trees of Hope to begin with was healing. And you were taking it for a second time. Yes. And you had just gone through life skills, which was 30 weeks plus, Mm -hmm. something like that, right? So I knew you were pursuing healing. And so I I held my hope with Deb's going to pursue healing. She loves Jesus. He's going to meet her where she is. And you're going to get the healing that you needed uh, for us to have a happy, healthy relationship. Yeah. And he did meet me. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I can only imagine. So what, what was different the second time through trees of hope? Well, once you know what to expect from the curriculum, like you can brace for impact, I guess. (laughs) I think the first time through everything is kind of like a, wow, this is hard stuff to process. And I think you touch the surface of the things that um, have wounded you. But the second time you do it, you start to process through those particular events with much more detail, with much more, um, you know, for me, honesty with God, like, I am, I am resentful. I'm angry. I'm all these things that are holding me back from truly being whole in you. And, you know, the first time you go through it, you're, you're just kind of processing 
out loud to other people who have experienced things that you've experienced. The second time was a lot deeper for me. And so that's, that's the process I was in with Jesus. And that's about a three month course, Trees of Hope? Uh, 13 weeks. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So basically yeah. three months. And, and that's something too, I think a lot of people get a little bit of help, but if you don't see it through to completion, to, to have the idea that you can take one class of 13 weeks and be completely healed is... You're just scratching anything. the surface. Yeah. Like, like it is roll your sleeves up, get your mm-hmm. hands dirty. And this is all kinds of healing. Sexual abuse healing has got to be some of the deepest, darkest yeah. healing that's out there. So for you, um, you, you went through it twice and then you became what was it like almost a moderator position in trees of hope you weren't the actual teacher no i was like a co-facilitator of a group because i felt so moved by the experience that i wanted to be able to help other people walk through it yeah and as a matter of fact you're actually going to be on nicole the the who runs trees of hope you're going to be on her podcast coming up here what is it next month i think so yeah in september no i'm sorry october yeah october okay yeah and that that podcast is called Not Just a Hashtag. Gotcha. Okay. So we'll look forward. Do you know the date and time or anything like that no, yet? No, it's tentative as of now, but... We'll, we'll let everyone know. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So you're going through Trees of Hope. You get out of Trees of Hope the second time. Mm-hmm. What happens at that? What are you feeling as you graduate, if you will, from Trees of Hope the second time? Are you looking going, the healing still needs to continue, but I'm in a good enough place that I believe I can handle this between Jesus and I? Yeah, I just felt, I felt renewed in my heart that God was with me the whole time and he wasn't going to leave me as I move forward in life and that I felt a freedom that I hadn't felt before, a freedom um, to just show up as I was and not to walk in shame. Uh, there's a lot of a, sh- a lot of shame that happens in abuse, and I, I felt like God had lifted a lot of that for me, all of it, really. I mean, there are times I still struggle with shame because, you know, that's deeply ingrained, but after that program, the second time, I really felt like, you know, I was ready to, to conquer life, and... Um, like most survivors, we put things in silos in our brain, and you were put in a little silo in my brain, and I just didn't think about you. I'm sorry to say. Hey. You know, and thank God that is a survival technique because if you were part of my thought process while I was pursuing this, you would have only been a distraction for me. I Really. God was spot on when he told me to leave you alone. He said, don't call, don't text. I don't want you doing anything. Yeah, and you didn't, and so that was good. That was hard. Let me tell you, was that it? was oh, that was so hard. Absolutely. You wanted to be the fixer and call me up and say what? I I don't even. I mean, I, I don't know at this point. We're 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 five years removed from it, but it was. I, I did love you. I did care deeply for you, and everything ended so abruptly, and it was just like I didn't get the chance to say my peace mm, yeah uh, you, you know so it, for me it was just this un, a lot of unspoken um but that's, I never really thought about how uncomfortable that must have been to not be able to s- say your piece 
Yeah, I, I definitely felt like, uh, oh my goodness, are you <laughs> kidding? I, I certainly said it and, and then some by now, but oh, yeah. um, so you get out of Trees of Hope yeah. and then you're actually presented with a very cool opportunity. Uh, what? How, how far <laughs> out of Trees of Hope are you when you get presented with this? I get presented with an opportunity to be a part of a really incredible book. And I would say that was maybe six months after I leave Trees of Hope. And during the time that I spent in Trees of Hope, I did a lot of journaling. And God really brought to life this this drive to write so that I could process. I kind of liked writing as a kid, but... I, I would have never considered myself a writer, but um, I had written out my story of uh, my rape in my 20s as I was going through Trees of Hope. And so I had this unique opportunity that came up and I'm like, okay, I had a friend who was always involved in some kind of cool, uh, either non-for-profit or she was doing some sort of like leadership program. She really was very well versed in just growing in her walk. And we had already done a program uh, together that uh, I'll tell you about a little bit later because it's part of the story, but we had already gone through a program. So we were fairly close and she says, hey, I'm having a bunch of ladies come over and we're doing a roundtable discussion about ministry. And, you know, she happened to call on a day where I was exhausted. I'm like, I don't want to, I'm not coming. No. And she's like, no, no, you're, you're coming. And I'm like, mm, no. And she's, you know, another Italian woman, very persistent. And um, I, I like to say I was volunteered. I'm volunteering you to come and you are coming whether you like it or not. And we so, all know, we all know what that's like. Yes. <laughs> I've been volunteered. Yes. Oh gosh. So she, she says, Hey, you're, you're coming. I'm not taking no for an answer. So I show up and there's all these incredible women, probably about 20 of us sitting around and we're, we've got cake and coffee and we're chatting and everyone goes around in a circle and dialogues about their life and their ministries and their passions. And there's two women that are um, sitting next to one another and they are partners in a really cool um, non-for-profit um, that helps women that have come out of human trafficking, finds them homes, helps to re- rehabilitate them, introduces them to Jesus. And I was just fascinated by their story. I mean, they were just really launching this this ministry through book publishing. And so that was even more interesting to me. So um, when the meeting is over, everyone kind of sits around and talks. And I went up to one of the ladies and she was talking at her time frame, like, hey, everybody's got a story to tell. And, you know, you could tell your story in a book and we can publish it and so on and so forth. And I don't know. I just went up to her and I go, boy, do I have a story? And she goes, you do? And I said, yeah, I mean, I really, I got a lot of stories. And we kind of, chatted and laughed and she said well why don't we go to lunch and I said okay so uh we go to lunch together I bring my story and it's very raw it's like a journal entry at this point and um 
we have a great meal and she reads the story and she goes, oh my goodness, um, I think this would be a great addition to our book. Tell, tell the audience, I mean, you, I mean, you really glazed over it. You just kind of okay. said, my rape in my 20s. It, give us the one-minute version. That, that's definitely at least a show, if not a season in and of itself. Yeah, but at least fill the is. audience in what exactly happened, just real quick. Mm, I don't know how quick I can be. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm in my early 20s. I'm working in an industry... Um, where I am in an office space and I wind up meeting somebody and we go out on like one date. So I know the guy, it's not as if he's some stranger in an alley. And, um, he, I, he goes, I'd like to come, I'd like to come by the office and have lunch with you. And I thought, Oh, okay, that's nice. He goes, you know, the third floor of your office space is, is vacant. We could just go up there, hang out and talk. So he obviously scoped out the space prior to, and I didn't know we could go up there and talk meant I was going to get raped. Um, you know, I, maybe I'm naive, but that's not, that's not where my heart was. I didn't expect that. And, um, within minutes of getting, uh, to the third floor, I was pushed up against a wall and that's how it happened. And, you know, I went back to work. I was so, I was just like so shocked. I was numb and I didn't say anything for 20 years. I went back to work like nothing happened. That's, that's yeah, it was, sadly that I think there are so many people that have that same response. You, there, there's three responses that you talk about and we'll yeah. get into it at a different time, but it's fight, flight, flight or, or freeze. freeze. And, and I don't froze. think freeze is something that's talked about a lot. I think we talk a lot about fight and flight. But freeze is a real thing. And um, yeah, I froze. And so, so much so that you literally just went right back to work, didn't tell anyone what had just happened. Not a soul. Shoved it down for 20 years and then yep. Trees of Hope happens. And, and so, again, bringing us back to the current part of the story, you're at lunch with someone who's reading your journal entry yes. that's recounting all of this. Right. And what does she say when she's done reading it? She says, wow, this is a story people need to hear. I'm sorry this happened to you. I think this would be an, you know, an addition to this book that people can really get something from. And then she proceeded to tell me, you know, it's a self-publishing opportunity and it costs X amount of dollars and those dollars go to the foundation. And I think it was a great opportunity and a great foundation, but I didn't have that kind of money. Sure. And I said to her, I, you know, I thank you so much for even having lunch with me, but I don't have that kind of money. I'll tell you this, if God wants me in this book, God's going to put me in this book. And she just kind of looked at me like, okay, well, we do have scholarship opportunities. Maybe I can present this story to our board of directors. And if we have a space, who knows, maybe, maybe God will put you in this book. And lo and behold, God put me in the book. Um, I did not pay for the self-publish. I was given a scholarship to, um, you know, to tell my story. And I was put in a book called Unstoppable with amazing people who have stories of resilience and perseverance through their own detours, really. 
You yeah, know, that was another another book of Dietrich's. It's almost like a chicken soup for the soul. Yes, a lot of different worldviews. Wasn't a Christian book. No, uh, not necessarily. There were a lot of Christians in there with Christian stories. Yours is obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but in, as a matter of fact, on your website, debmarsalisi.com, there's a little link there if people want to go online and purchase the book. Uh, all the proceeds go to, um, you know, the organization, you know, when, when they print books and things like that, I believe. Um, so, you know, people can support that way. But so let's let's continue on with the story. Okay, so I, I get this opportunity to write. I write it gets yes. published. It's very exciting. Um, simultaneously, I am I am on a mission to grow. So I go with the woman who's volunteered me to this meeting. Her and I go to a leadership conference in Colorado, and that program was called Heart of a Samurai. And um, I think that's a funny title because I date you and you're into Japanese drumming. And it was like the first time I was like, oh, gosh, I thought of you instantly because how many people are into Japanese drumming? And it was the heart of the samurai was the the name of the leadership conference. Yeah. And, and for everyone out there, I, I was it, Japanese drumming. It's called Taiko. Um, and I play with a group in Fort Lauderdale and the score that our sensei wrote was literally the, the life and and death of a samurai. So we spent tremendous amounts of time learning about samurai, Bushido code, all sorts of things. Mm -hmm. It was very, very enlightening uh, because I had never studied anything like that. And, and so uh, I love. I absolutely loved it. It was my passion. I still love playing. I still have drums out in the garage. We literally had three <laughs> of the members from the group yep. over just today. Um, so yeah, when we were dating the first time, you were probably looking at me like I was, you know, a green bug or something. When I was in my my drumming group, uh, I thought it was a little over the top, but you know, I didn't. I don't think I understood how. Um, how much you felt connected to God through that time of meditation and drumming. And so, you know, drumming music for me, I've always been uh, a musician, Uh, played the piano as a concert pianist for 13 years, stepped away from music when I was in college and came back and found drumming and yeah, drumming absolutely became my worship for, for Jesus. I, I would sit, and do Bible studies or, or pray or whatever it was. And then I would just go drum and I would meditate on whatever I had read, whatever I had heard, whatever was on my heart. And, and it, it became my lifeline. Uh, there were two lifelines for me. One was the drum and the other was the beach mm. where I would, uh, you know, that I had my best time with God behind the drum or over at the beach. Um, and, and I would talk to you about it and you, you like a, you know, like a good girlfriend, you would sit there and listen to me be all excited about samurais and so <laughs> on and so forth. And, yep. and so, yeah, you definitely knew that I was into samurais. Mm-hmm. And so what a strange topic for, uh, a, a convention and you're it's out wild. And, and so what, what's incredible about this is. I don't know exactly when this lines up, but the convention lines up somewhere around the one-year mark. Okay. 
Um, so you, you tell your side first and then I'll tell mine. Okay. So you're out in Denver, right? I'm, I'm out in Colorado. I don't okay. know that it was Denver. And this is where the convention this is. This is where the convention is. And we're going through a week long, uh, using the principles of a samurai and so on. And so as the course is ending, they sell books about their literature and the heart of the samurai was written by, uh, David Clemmer or right? Brian, Brian Clemmer, Clemmer yeah. Brian Clemmer. And um, I, I clearly hear God say, buy this book for Mike. And I think, I haven't talked to him in a year, God. Like, yes, he'd probably like the book, but you want me to buy this guy a book? And Was this like an audible voice? What, no, what, this was an say- internal, like unmistakably like it had to be God because I wasn't really thinking about you other than the title was like a samurai. And I thought, Oh wow, that's kind of ironic. But like, it wasn't like you were on my mind for that week. I was just looking to grow and the topic happened to be samurai. So I know that that wasn't my thought. It's not like I conjured that up in my spirit, buy a book for a guy I I dumped a year ago. So I was like, uh, I didn't know what to do with that. And I am embarrassed in this podcast that I have to admit, I definitely have delayed obedience and I need to work on that, but I didn't buy the book. And then I get home and like a patient father, God presses on my heart, buy the book for Mike. So I go, okay, I get on Amazon and I purchase the book. And um, (laughs) I want to give you this book somehow. Yeah, so the the reason I knew it was a year was again Bill Bill tells me Mike it it takes a minimum of a year for someone to heal from something like this and that's when they're working hard they're pressing hard into Jesus it's going to take her a minimum of a year. So Florida has the Florida Fort Lauderdale has the Florida Renaissance Fair. And it's every February and March. Mm. So when you break up with me on the weekends, I'm, I'm, I'm a drummer and I'm performing at the Florida Renaissance Fair. And anyone that, that's a musician that does performances, it's a lot of waiting around. You go on stage and you do a 20 to 30 minute performance and then you're off for a couple of hours. And then you come back in another 20, 30 minutes and then you're off for a couple of hours. Uh, and that the mornings and the evenings are very, very slow as you're waiting for everything to happen, lighting and sound and so on. So I just had tremendous amounts of time on my hand. And so I, I said, God, I'm, I'm going to be praying. Uh, and, and so the year comes up and mm. sure enough, Florida Renaissance Fair comes around. It's seven weeks long. So it's almost <laughs> 50 days. Wow. From, from it's yeah, seven weeks. So it would be seven times seven, 49 plus the additional days, 50 days. So it was 50 days. Mm-hmm. And so I'm sitting there going, okay, God, Florida Renaissance Fair was last year's queue, which means I'm at the Florida Renaissance Fair. It's been a year. It's time for you and I to really talk about this again. And I said, okay, God, Bill told me it was, and and Bill is a neutral person. Bill wants what's best for Deb. Bill wants what's best for Mike. And Bill wanted Jesus to get the glory. Mm -hmm. 
And so I said, God, you put Bill in my life, and I trust what Bill told me as far as healing, that it would take a while. And then he's a neutral party, and he said it would take a, a minimum of a year. That was what he told me. He didn't tell me it would take a year. He said it would take a minimum of a year. Okay. And I went to God, Florida Renaissance Fair rolls around the next year. And I said, okay, God, I got 50 days. I'm going to be praying every, every minute of off time on Saturdays and Sundays during this Florida Renaissance Fair, you and Mm -hmm. I are going to have conversation because I need to know what's going on. And, and what are you level. praying like for my healing, for us to get back together, no, for I, answers? I, I, I said, God, Bill said a minimum of a year. Number one, I'm not the type of person to do the minimum. You're definitely not. Do you need more time? Hmm. What I said, I, I, I really kind of approached God and said, God, whatever your answer is, I'm okay with, including. Mike, I want you to let her go because you're not I, I, you're not meant to be with one another. I was completely okay with that answer. Uh, yes, I would have been upset. Yes, I would have been sad. But yes, I would have absolutely obeyed. Um, and, and so I approached God and I said, "Okay, God, it's it. This is the year, which is the minimum." Bill told me it was the <laughs> minimum, and I've given you the minimum. And I, I, I said, "You don't owe me anything, God. You, you already gave me everything through salvation." But I'd really love to know whether or not this is still alive, this opportunity, this, is this still a thing that is a possibility because I'm coming up on 40 and, and I did want to be a husband and I was just sitting there going, God, I've given you and her a year and I haven't bickered. I haven't complained. And God bless you. And (laughs) if, if, if I'm not supposed to hold on anymore, please just tell me so I can let go and I can right. move on. If this is still a legitimate thing and you're still at work, would you please just give me a sign? Mm. And I'm sitting there fasting and praying on the weekends. God, would you please just give me a sign? And while I'm praying those prayers, he's sending you to Denver to the <laughs> Samurai, yeah. Samurai Convention, we'll call it. Goodness. So what happens? You, your delayed obedience, as you, you kind of joked. Yes, I get the book off Amazon, and now I have to figure out, I guess I have to give it to you. So I pray, like, how do you want me to do this? Should I call? Should I text? I don't hear anything from God. So I figured probably texting would be the most neutral. And um, I shoot you a text that... I went to a, you know, a leadership conference called The Heart of the Samurai, and the book was wonderful, and I think that you'd be blessed, and I'd like to be able to give it to you. Would you like to go for coffee? And I think, actually, the name of, isn't the, the name of the book The Compassionate Samurai? Yes. Yeah, yes, not it the is. Of, yeah, in case anyone's looking for Clemmer's book, it's it's the, the Compassionate Samurai. We could put that in the show notes if yeah. you want. Yeah. Yeah, we can try and do that. Yeah, so so this is, now we, when I get the text message from you saying you have a book, we're roughly 14 months after we've broken up. And I've heard nothing but crickets, but the last roughly two months, I've been at the Florida Renaissance Fair fasting and praying, going, God, is this still alive? But at the end of the Florida Renaissance Fair, if I have not heard anything, 
I, 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 I'm going to take this. That's my sign to move on. It's my time to move on. And I I don't remember the exact timing, but I don't remember if it was right before (laughs) the last day or if it was right after, but I get just a completely random text message from you going, Hey, would you like to go to Starbucks? I have a book for you. Yes. And I go, okay, God, you're still at work here. You must have been like amazed at God. There were several jaw on the floor moments, and that was definitely one of them. <laughs> yeah, I and, would think so. Because at that, like, again, what I was referencing earlier is leading up to, you know, right around the turn of the year, right before Valentine's Day, that's when the doubt really started to get heavy. Like, did you really say this, God? Yes. Did I make this up in my brain? Was Again, was this something I just wanted to be with this girl and I made it up because she's pretty and funny and all of these things? Mm-hmm. And the the doubt definitely was creeping in. So when I got that text message from you, I was I was definitely jaw was on the floor. Yeah. Going, okay, God, you're you're absolutely at work yeah. here. But I did not get from God that you were healed and it's time to move forward. To move forward. It was just this is a step. You asked for evidence. You're getting your evidence. That is so gracious of God. He doesn't yeah. owe us anything. No, he did not. And, and that's where I know part of the reason why he gave me that evidence is because of, and I'm not trying to pat myself on the back here, but but where my heart was during the prayer asking for it. It wasn't an, an oh, God, I've spent a year fasting and praying. You owe me an answer. Right. It wasn't. It was simply, Dad, if you need me to hold on, Please just tell me, mm. and, and I'm okay with you saying let go. I'm okay with holding on. I, I've just been holding on for a long time, and I, and I don't want to sit here time. with pie on my face three years from now if this was never supposed to be because dopamine, you know, or whatever it was. So it, it was really a, a very, very genuine, honest request, and, and luckily he answered, and, and so... You know, I, I immediately, we decide we're going to meet up at Starbucks. I don't remember. It's just a few days later we were going to meet yeah. up at Starbucks. That was the Starbucks we had prayed many a times before, many yep. great conversations over coffee when we were dating. So I thought that would be a good place. Yeah. And and so leading into it. Oh, I was totally nervous. I'm like, what is this going to be like? Is he going to, you know, ask me why I broke up with him? Is he going to be like, what is he going to be like? I don't know if I can do this. And, and I'm sitting there going, I'm about to go out with my future wife, and I haven't seen her in 14 months. That That's what's going wow. through my head. So, but again, God, God really, it was inescapably clear when he said, don't, don't you poke, don't you anything the situation because you're just going to make it worse. So I, I, I really didn't have any, I, I prayed certainly very hard for the several days leading up to it going, God, what do you need from me? What am I supposed to be doing at this? And the only thing that I could think of was just peace is I, mm. I needed you to be at peace with where you and I were. I, I needed you to just leave that coffee shop at complete peace. There was no threat of any kind from me. Yeah. It, it, that that's the only thing I could come up with. Well, it was accomplished because I was very nervous 
I, you were there early, which is a great trait. You were sitting there. Um, and I sat down and it was just immediately a sense of like calm. You just had this beautiful smile on your face and it was just, hi, Deb. And we talked and, um, it was remarkably just easy flowing conversation. And I wind up telling you that I have this opportunity for a book and I'm super excited because you were the first person that ever read that story. Um, yeah, I so remember you, reading that. Yep. I, yeah, that was probably. That was nerve wracking for you uh, as well, I'm sure. Yes, it really was. Giving that to me, yep. And I was just telling you all the things that had happened in the year and you were listening and you said, gosh, I'm so proud of you. And that really struck me because I don't know that I, I've heard that a whole lot in life. Um, and I left just going, gosh, that was really pleasant. That was really pleasant. And on the way out. Yeah, this is where the story where we disagree. Yeah, we totally disagree on this part. On the way out, I say, you know, you have my number. Please feel free to give me a call whenever you want. So, okay, you say that. I did say this, and then we, oh you, you get the book, and I don't hear from you for like a week, and I'm like, oh, God, well, okay, at least it was a nice cup of coffee. I'm starting to think, well, I don't really understand why, God, you wanted me to give him this book. There's like crickets on the other end, and... Okay. Let alone you had crickets for a year. I gotcha. I'm just saying it was very like. Oh, yeah. That week must have been so hard for you. <laughs> so, okay. So, you let me tell my side of the story. Okay. First of all, you didn't say that. Second of yes, all. Yes, I did. Second of all, I read the book in a week. You, 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 you got to give me a little bit of time and credit here. I had to read the whole book in a week, and, and it took me a week to get through it, and then I could call you and thank you for the book. Oh, I, that's true. What and, can and, I say? But, but God wasn't ready. The, the, the irony of it was it took me a week to read the book, and I call you, and in that week, you had gotten really sick. Yes. And I call you. <laughs> to thank you for the book. And it was like the roles were reversed. I was the extrovert and you were the introvert, but it was because you were so sick. I was. I was that you could barely hold a conversation <laughs> on the phone. And I didn't know you were sick. Right. It wasn't you didn't have a cold or something. It was more like you were nauseous. Something was happening, but I couldn't hear it in your voice that you were sick. So I just thought, uh, okay, she's just like, whatever. The, the, you know, you're welcome. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't realize that that you weren't feeling well, right? And it probably in your mind was just like, oh, she's unenthused that I'm calling her to thank her. Yeah, I, I thought, oh, okay, all right, all right, God, again, I got to <laughs> give this up to you. Yeah. So, so in the, my head, I'm like, well, I didn't think I sounded that bad, but you know. Then I didn't hear from you, and I was just like, all right, I guess I just have to put this in the back of my brain. I did what you asked me to do, God. Um, yeah, I mean, when God, yep. again, God told me, don't you reach out to her until I give you the go-ahead, and he didn't. So at, at that point, it goes back to crickets again. Yep. And we go from 14 months uh, to 18, 19 months uh, at that point, and all of a sudden— you well the book comes out the actual oh, yes, book yes, unstoppable right. comes yes. out yep. so i i 
text you again and say, hey, I'd really like to give you a copy of this book. Um, and you respond, absolutely not. I'm purchasing your book. Um, you know, I really yeah, I wanted to support oh, you. I know. You're so sweet. And so we, do we meet again? No. No. It was just a conversation over the phone via text message, so on and so forth. Okay. Yep. Then the crickets kick in again for a few more months. And I think I said again, like, you call me anytime. No call. But anyway. You didn't say it. Whatever. <laughs> in, in the meantime, I am in a career change, and um, I'm leaving the fitness industry and entering into the fire industry, and everything I had tried for in the Broward County, West Palm area just fell through. And I was devastated. And I had a friend that I went to fire college with. And when I really just surrendered it all to God, because I was so like, I don't understand. I feel like you led me into this industry. I don't, I don't get it, but nothing's happening. And uh, a week later, she calls and she says, hey, would you be interested in working at NASA? And I was like, What? Like TV NASA? Like TV NASA. Like Neil Armstrong NASA? Yep. And I, I just thought... And you have no experience in the fire industry. No. No. Another God story. Uh, my boss is a Christian. So incredibly cool. We'll have, to, we'll have to kind of delve into that another time. But I was like, yeah, of course. So within a very short period of time, like my whole life is uprooted and I'm deciding now I'm going to move from Fort Lauderdale up to the Melbourne area. And as I'm packing up and this is within like a two week period of time, like, yeah, this was quick for you. I mean, I had to, I had to put my house on the market. I'm packing up all my belongings. And I say to God, Hey, before I leave this side of town, I, is there anything I need to do in order to, you know, just make right with, relationships, friendships, is there any loose ends that I need to tie up? And there were like two or three people he asked me in my spirit to connect with, and you were one of them. And I was just like, oh, okay, well, that, you know, that makes sense. I don't want him to find out from Bill that I'm leaving. So, okay, like, I guess that I can do that. Um, hmm. And so it is a couple of days prior to me leaving because it was a Wednesday night at church and I was leaving Saturday morning and holy moly, like I knew you would be at church on Wednesday because you consistently were, but it's, you know, it's a massive church for people who are listening from outside of Florida. Like this church is, a, it's like a shopping mall massive. I'm like, how am I going to find yeah, this the guy? Sanctuary seats like 3,500, I think at Fort Lauderdale. It's big. It really is. And I wasn't, Sure, if I was making, like, just like you said, am I, am I making this up or is this really what you want? So I really wasn't sure. So I just decided, well, if it really is like I'm supposed to say goodbye to this guy, then he'll just be there. I don't know how it's going to happen, right? So I pull into the parking lot and lo and behold, I see your car and I'm like, oh, I go, okay, he's here. So I walk into church and I'm like, all right, Lord, whatever you want. And then I see you like clear across the church. And I'm like, God, you don't want me to like run across the church to go say goodbye to this guy, do you? Can I just go to service first? Delayed obedience yet Gosh, again. Gosh, I am terrible, right? So I go in and 
do a church service, and I say to myself and to God, okay, if if this is really what you want, then I would just assume he would be like close, in close proximity, I can find him. I walk out of the sanctuary and you are smack in front of me, but you're in the midst of a very, it looks like a very deep prayer with somebody. Heads are bowed. I mean, it looked like you were in like spiritual warfare mode. And I'm like, oh Lord, you don't want me to disturb this guy's prayer. I really didn't know what to do. So I pass by you. I gently touch your arm. I don't say anything. I don't look at you. I just pass by you, touch your arm. And I go, okay, I guess I'll just sit at the bench and wait. Yeah. Just outside. We were in the sanctuary, just outside the sanctuary doors. There's some benches outside the actual building, Mm -hmm. kind of overlooking a little playground. Yeah. And And I'm waiting and I'm just nervous as all get out. Why are you nervous? What do you have to be nervous about? Like, what am I going to say to you? I don't, I mean, I felt like after the book, there was just crickets on your end. So in my mind, I'm like, do you even care I'm leaving? In my head, that's where I'm at. Okay. So I'm nervous. Fair enough. Fair enough. And um, you walk out, you say, oh, hi, how are you? And I said, oh, I'm good. Um, I feel like God wants me to talk to you. And you go, okay. And so I say, I got this really incredible job opportunity to work for NASA, and I'm leaving on Saturday. And I wanted to make sure I say goodbye to you. I didn't want you to hear it from Bill. And so I, I just really just want to say, you know, you know, goodbye. And you look at me, and you give me a very neutral and respectful, wow, what a great opportunity. Good for you. Wow. And again, then, I'm a processor. Yeah. So my brain, that little mouse is sitting there running as fast as he can, uh-huh. but it's just not fast yeah. enough, you know? And you give me a side hug. And oh, I yeah. was just like, okay. Hmm. One of those really awkward, very awkward side, side hugs. hugs. Yeah. You know, that's a church culture thing, right? So I I go, okay, well, take care. And I start to walk away. And inside, I am like, what was that about, God? I got a side hug. You wanted me to go to church to find this guy to get a side hug? What is happening here? Meanwhile, the mouse is still spinning. Right. And I'm very close to getting to my vehicle. And I hear you, like, booking it down the hallway. And I'm like, what is that? It's like a a scene from like a romantic movie. Like, wait, Deborah. <laughs> and so I turn around and and you're like, wow, I I don't want the last thing from to hear from me. It's just like I, we can't end this way. Like, really, I just I want you to know I'm really happy for you, and I I still love you, and I want nothing but the best for you. And and you said, I love you back. I did. I just, it just came out of my mouth. And I was like, oh my, I said it. And we gave each other a hug. We did. Yep. And it was a, it was like a very deep hug. I felt like you were on the verge of crying. And I thought. I would never. Oh, I would never. No, I would never. And so I walk out to my car and now I'm. Now are you even more irritated? I am. I'm like, what what are you doing to me, God? Like you gave me this job and all of a sudden I like confess my love to this man and I'm leaving. I'm leaving, Lord. I'm leaving on Saturday. What am I supposed to do now? 
You should. Yeah. So the conversation on my end, I get out to my car and I'm sitting in the driver's seat. And I go, same question. What was that about? Oh, man. And God goes, step one is complete. Oh. <laughs> and I go, what do you mean step one? I've been at this for over a year and a half. <laughs> this better be step one of a two-step process here. What is the, you know, like, I'm like, what, what do you mean step one is complete? What, you're not telling me anything with that. So the, you're irritated too. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> what, what are you doing? Oh my goodness. So I get in my vehicle and uh, I drive home, pack up my boxes and bags and head to Melbourne. And I was just like, okay, I don't know what to do now. So you're two and a half hours away from me. Mm -hmm. And when starting I- Starting a new life. Yep. And I'm really preoccupied with learning a new occupation that I have no experience with. So this man hires me to work for NASA. And he's like, I would rather train somebody than to have somebody come in with bad habits. I will teach you everything you need to know. Don't worry. And I was just like, what a blessing from God this man was. Um, but, you know, that first couple of months, the first like two months, I'm just trying to wrap my brain around you know, this massive career change. And new I'm city, new friends. Oh, yeah. New, uh, literally lift and shift. Yes. And, uh, you know, and so on, on my end, it becomes crickets yet again. Oh. Here you go, and, and you're off, and I'm not hearing anything. And so I think to myself, like, boy, I, I'm starting to, like, think about that conversation. I'm thinking about the fact that I said I love you. And I'm like, well, maybe I just miss him because everything is so unfamiliar to me. Like, everything is so unfamiliar. Like, maybe I just need to pause and wait to make sure that I'm not clinging to something that I know is familiar in this unfamiliar. You understand we could have been married like a year earlier if you mm. hadn't had delayed obedience? Listen, we got married exactly when we were supposed to. Not for nothing. Not for nothing. Like... but. All this delayed obedience. Okay. You're delayed again. Uh, okay. But you you wouldn't want me to just jump, right? I mean, I wanted to I wanted to be very clear with God. Like, if this is real, then please make sure I don't stop thinking about him because I, I want it to be about him and not because I'm in a new environment. Sure. And I wound up watching a, a really cool um, TED Talk with... Brene Brown about vulnerability, <laughs> vulnerability being courage. And I was really inspired by this Ted talk and uh, I decided, okay, I'm just gonna, just gonna call him. <sighs> this is it. I, I am still missing him and it's not about the move anymore. It's about him. So I give you a call and say, I have the book. I think it was about the book, actually. I had the physical copy of the book. I wanted to give you the unstoppable book that I had written, not the whole book, but co-authored. And um, I said, you know, I'm going to be visiting my parents. I'd love to have another cup of coffee. And you said, no, I'd really like to have dinner with you. I'm going to be coming your way. And yeah. And yeah. And so... I, I remember. I don't remember what hurricane was coming. I, I, there, I yes, you were coming right. to Fort. Yeah, you were coming to Fort Lauderdale, 
And the time that you were going to be in Fort Lauderdale, I was going to be performing in South Carolina. And so I was not going to be in Fort Lauderdale. So we missed each other at that point. Um, but I said, well, maybe the next weekend, I'm not traveling that weekend. Why don't I come up and see you? But the, the hurricane, there's some hurricane. I don't remember yes. what it was. Was supposed to hit. It never wound up really hitting. It just kind of yeah dissipated out in the in the Atlantic. But gas was a tremendous shortage. I remember this. All the gas stations in Fort Lauderdale. Everybody's panicking. Everybody's buying up all the gas. I'm just sitting there going again, looking at my gas tank, going, I cannot make a two and a half hour drive. I don't have enough gas to get there. God, if I'm supposed to go up there you got to open up a gas station somewhere. They all had caution tape up on their pumps and everything else. Yeah. And I just wanted to go get a drink and just a Coke. And I, I drive up about five minutes from where I live to the nearest gas station. And it's late at night and they, they, they had, they had gas. Wow. And so I filled up and I said, okay, this is it. You know, what I also think happened that we didn't include, which is a really cool part of the story, is in between that two months, uh, you're like, I'd really love your email at work. Like, it'd be so cool. And um, yeah, I wanted to email. I wanted to be able to say I emailed someone from NASA. Oh, so funny. And you write me this incredible love letter, like knock my socks off, like. No matter what happens, I'm for you, Deb. And I want to show you the love of God. And whether we're together or not, I am for you. And it was it was the most incredible love letter I have ever received. And sometimes when I'm mad at you, I pull that out. And boy, does that save everything. Well, I'm glad you saved it then. I did. It's come in handy a few times. But yeah. Every other day you pull that thing no. out. <laughs> No, no. But that was really, I think that sealed the deal for me. Like, I, why have I been running from someone who, like, who wants nothing but the best for me? Like, it really, it was a really remarkable thing to read. And I'd love for you to tell your hand in that writing of the letter. Yeah, so that was another, again, there's so many God moments in our story. Mm-hmm. So you, you give me your email address and and... I, you know, I, I said, okay, I've got her email. If I want to write her a letter, tell her how I feel. And she can, you know, read it at her convenience. Mm -hmm. And so the day you give it to me, you, you give it to me one day and the next day I'm at work and I have your email address. And I'm going, okay, God, again, you told me not to reach out to her unless it was your timing is otherwise I'd make things worse. And so I said, too many dominoes have fallen for you to not be at complete work at this point. Yeah. You're, you're moving and I'm supposed to be moving with you. So I said, I'm going to write this letter and the whole, it was one of the busiest days I ever had at work. Hmm. It it's it's one of those things. I again, I work on a website and mobile app and things like that. So everything I do, I can do remotely. And whenever you work remotely, I, I personally just get a lot more done because you, you know when you're in the office, you, people stop in your office to see how you are. They have questions. You, you never get anything done. 
<laughs> and th- th- that day was no different. It was nonstop people coming into my office. The interruptions that day were on a level like I've never <laughs> seen before. And, and so I'm just, I'm just not getting it, just not getting an opportunity. So finally around, it was around lunch break. Um, I, I never take a lunch break. If I eat lunch, it's going to be a working lunch. And so I shut my office door because a lot of people would go, you know, go down. We have a restaurant at the church. So a lot of people go down there and so on and so forth. So I shut my door and I don't know, it takes half hour, hour, whatever it was to write the letter. And the phone is ringing and there's still all sorts of distractions, but I'm pushing them away, right? I'm, um, Heisman trophy, everything <laughs> that the guy on the top of the Heisman trophy, that was me pushing away everyone that was trying to get my attention during my lunch break. And I finally get through the letter and I, and I read it and it's one of those things where you go, okay, this is a really good letter. That means I didn't write this God, you wrote this letter. Mm-hmm. Um, but I said, I, I, once again, I turned to God and I said, God, as badly as I want this you have the right to veto this. And if you tell me, I will hit that little garbage can icon in the bottom right corner of this email and it will not be sent. And I said, I literally said to God, I'm going to sit here in my office. I don't remember if it was five minutes or 15 minutes. I think you told me it was 15 minutes. Yeah. I said, I'm going to sit here in my office for 15 minutes and I'm going to sit in my chair and I'm going to do nothing but pray. And if there's no one knocking at the door, no phone ringing, no meeting remind, if there are no interruptions for 15 <laughs> minutes, because today's been absolute chaos, I'm going to take that as you giving me your blessing to say, yes, you can go ahead and send this email. And so I wait, and the 15 minutes go by, and I literally get up from the chair, walk behind my computer to go and press send, <laughs> and the janitor... This super sweet lady <laughs> knocks on the door and comes in to get the garbage. And this is at 16 minutes? This is, this is like 15 minutes and 10 seconds. <laughs> this is right at the cusp. And, and so, of course, I'm, I'm trying to be polite to her. And I'm so confused now at this point. And she takes the garbage and gets out of the room. And I immediately go, God, what was that? What was that? You're cutting it awful close there. <laughs> that was technically over 15 minutes, but... I got interrupted and and I just had that still gentle voice that said, Michael, I, I created the entire universe. I put everything in motion. If I wanted to speed up her day by 30 seconds, you think I couldn't have done that? Wow. And that's when I just hit the send button and I said, okay. That letter changed it all. Yeah, it, it, but it was, it was all those, it was all the unsaid. What I said to you earlier about, you know, I had this whole year, year and a half of unsaid things to you. It was all comprised into into that. And so there, there was a lot going on there. But it was a lot of pressure on my end that was building up. So to get all of that off my chest was amazing. Um, and so, yeah, here we are now. We're, what, three and a half years yeah. married and starting a podcast. And you just had... Uh, Actually, yeah, that's a, a good time to plug. You just had a brand new Devo hit you version. Yes. Uh, what was the name of the Devo? 
Making marriage meaningful through conflict resolution. So that that's a mouthful, but if you go on U version and you search through the plans. Yep. Uh, and Just type in making marriage meaningful. Yeah, you will see Debs. It's a, a five day marriage devo, mm-hmm. I believe. Yep. So that is brand new live on U version. Download that. Um, but it's all the things I've learned in the three and a half years being married. Yeah. All <laughs> no, the many, many that years. To resolve. Many years of being just marriage as a whole and understanding how we work together and learning how to best navigate us. And it's not even, it doesn't even, single people could absolutely read this and use it absolutely. in the workplace. Because it's, it's, you're so good at reading me. And understanding when is a good time to talk, when is not, what's the tone, all of those things. Because if I'm frustrated with work or if I'm having a bad day or this, that, and the other, you are very good at biting your tongue and waiting until I'm in a place where I would be receptive to what you have to say. And then you state your case. Uh, And that, yeah, that's a wonderful thing in our marriage, but that's something I even need to work on work relationships and so on and so forth. So it is categorized as a marriage Devo. But I do think people can learn a lot from just the conflict resolution because we have that in every relationship. Yeah. So uh, that's even, I think I can even put the link to that Devo plan. Yeah, that would be great. Um, But yeah, we've had a beautiful three and a half year marriage and Still going strong. And and we got married during COVID. We did. <laughs> yep. We did. We At Pastor Bill's pool. Just yeah. him, his wife, a witness, and us. Yeah, it was supposed, we were supposed to have a whole ceremony, and then yep. COVID broke out, and we, we weren't sure if we were going to be able to get married, but we had closed on the house, mm-hmm. and we couldn't not get married. So we, we were like, hey, Bill, you know, we've done all the premarital. We've done financial peace. We've checked all the boxes. Do you care if we just come on over about six, eight weeks early and just, we'll just <laughs> yeah. get hitched on your back porch for now. Yeah. And then once COVID passes, we'll have everyone back over Yep, uh, and, and do it in front of everyone else. Um, yep. And there's more stories there for another day. But this was, what's so amazing about our story is there's just so many twists and turns and it really is why we have this podcast called Detours is. Absolutely. There are good detours, there are bad detours, but the most important thing for you and I in our relationship is we did it God's way. Mm-hmm. And so I do believe he's going to, you know, give us favor. I, and, you know, I just, I hope that we continue to honor him. And even before the podcast, that's what you and I prayed that, yep. that with, through our story, God gets the honor and the glory because he deserves it. Oh my goodness. That, that, that was not your average love story. No. Um, that, yeah. That was, there, there, there were too many moments where. It was absolutely the God ordained of God. For absolutely. sure. Absolutely. So, guys, we, we hope you enjoyed this first season. Now, second season, we've mm-hmm. already got it slated. Uh, you're going to get introduced to my father. I am flying him down from Chicago, down here to Florida. Uh, Season one, we've had a little bit of feedback saying season one kind of focused and people are getting to know you. So season two, people are going to get to know a little bit more about me and we're going to have my dad here as a guest the Mm -hmm. entire season. Um, I love apologetics. 
I absolutely adore studying and reading apologetics. Can Um, you tell people what that is? Yeah, apologetics is being able to defend your faith. Mm -hmm. So if you think from a Christian perspective, evangelism is you're on the offense. Apologetics is you're on the defense. Okay. So, um, you know, there's a lot of conversation around evolution and Big Bang Theory and all sorts of amazing things. And, And the most common question in apologetics is if God is so good, why do bad things happen to good people? And so what we've done, what we're going to do for season two is we're flying my dad down and we're going to look at that question through the lens of my little brother dying. Um, If God is so good, how could he take a child? Stuart was the name of my brother and he lived to nine months old, Mm. uh, born with a heart defect. And, People can answer the, if God is so good, why do bad things happen to good people? They can answer from a lot of perspectives, but where I feel most conversations fall short is when a mother whose child is dying of cancer asks that question. Right. You better not give them the answer that you saw Frank Turek give or Ravi before he fell you better not give you got to have the right answer there and, and and there's there's lots of perspective on that question but if you give an answer that says anything that has to do with the fall of Adam and Eve that's going to fall on deaf ears to a mother whose child is dying and so we're we're literally going to spend the entire second season with my dad going through Obviously, very first few episodes, we're going to just tell the story, the, mm-hmm. the testimony of Stuart and, and, and his life and his death and how my parents handled it. And now we are coming up almost on 40 years later um, wow. from his passing. And if God is so good, why do bad things happen to good people? We, we want to just share some perspective. For, for from a family where it didn't end well, where Stuart did die. Yeah. And you're sitting there groping for answers. And you're sitting there going, God, if you're supposed to be so good, how could you take this innocent child? And you're you're so fixated on that pain. And we're gonna spend an entire season recounting that pain. Yep. And giving our perspective on yeah, yeah, God took Stuart. And yeah, he's absolutely good. And he knew exactly what he was doing. And it it when you lose a child, it fundamentally changes the DNA of your family. And God is still good. Amen. And we're gonna we're gonna go to probably some pretty pretty dark, sad places uh, in season two. But it's again, I, I think people need to hear it. Yeah, I agree. I think it's a topic that needs to be addressed from that angle of God's goodness. And um, we're really trying to just hit those topics that people don't always want to talk about and, and this or is don't a, know how to talk about. That's just it. If you haven't lost a child, you don't know how to answer that question necessarily. Right. It really does take someone that's gone down that path to 
and is so far enough removed from the situation True. that they can have a, a, a more godly perspective on that. Um, because you can really make some assumptions. You can, so many times you're halfway through the story and you, you judge that as if it's the ending. Yeah, I think we do that with a lot of stories so in life. So many times. And, yeah. and so we're going to spend a lot of time in season two going, hey, this isn't the end of the story. There's a lot of pain. Mm-hmm. You're going to have some really dark moments. You're going to have glimpses of light, and God is going to lead you out of that darkness, but you got to latch on to him and ask him to lead you. Yeah. So that's that's what we have to look forward to for season two. Yeah. So we hope that you guys join us. Thank you for listening. Yes. Thank you guys so much for being here with us with our, our crazy story of getting <laughs> together. And we hope you're enjoying the podcast. Uh, you can check out our website, detours.life. If you go there, we have links to all the different platforms. We're on Spotify. We're on iTunes. We're on all you know, Google uh, Google Apple. Play, Apple, yeah, yeah, uh, all that. We're we're everywhere. If you just go to detours.life and click on the menu, we have links to all of that. Uh, but please, please share this podcast on your social media. Get get the word out there, especially with season two. That is the number one question that people have when right. they're questioning whether or not the Bible is real, God is real, so on and so forth. And the, the, we really are going to put a lot of time and effort into answering that. And if there's anyone that would be blessed by that or having, you know, struggles with that question. Send it along. Please get ready to send that along um, because we're going to spend a lot of time diving into that. But it's been so much fun. It has. It, it, this is uh, you know, a blessing it's for us to never a dull moment. Do yeah. And, <laughs> and, you know, it's always a blessing to be able to do this with, with you, with, with my wife. I never would have dreamed something like this. Me too. What a gift. Yeah, absolutely. So thank you guys so much. Yep. Thank you for your support. We appreciate you. Thank you for listening to season one. Yes, and we will be putting out more information, some teasers and things like that on season two. Uh, that will be coming your way shortly, so keep an eye out for that. But until next time, guys, thank you so much for season one. It's been fun. Yep. Season two is on the horizon, and it won't be long, so stick around. Thanks, thank guys. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Detours. For more content, you can find us on Spirit FM Radio, Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Play, or on our website at detours.life. To view my writings or to contact me for public speaking engagements, visit my website at debmarsalisi.com.